0: Okay. Good morning, everybody. Um, it really is very lovely to be here amongst you, and um, thank you for welcoming us back. Um, Jeremy and I had a little discussion about who was going to preach this morning. I voted Jeremy, he voted me. Um, that's not because we don't like it, that's because we each thought the other one should bring a word, but here I am. He won. Um, so as I was preparing and thinking, what was it that God wanted to say this morning? What was I going to bring? I had a few ideas and then yesterday, don't panic Alan, I prepared a little bit earlier than yesterday, (laughs) Um, but yesterday a word came in the prayer meeting that I found really encouraging um, about 2022 and us living more radical lives than we have done before. And at the end of 2022, looking back and seeing that our lives have become more aligned with what God would have for us and therefore more radical. And I was excited because that's something that I, I long for, for myself, um, but also for us, for the family of God. We are, in fact, made for purpose and destiny And miracles and breakthrough are, in fact, our portion. They should be our norm. They should be how we are living. Um, We live for an upside-down kingdom, so therefore we will look radically different to the rest of the world. And there are times where that is an incredibly uncomfortable position to be in. And being upside down, I no longer have that ability, but my children still do. And they regularly stand on their heads in my lounge. It's a fairly small space, but still they stand on their heads. And it doesn't look like a comfortable position to hold for very long. And yet that is what we are called to do. We are called to be upside down and going against the tide. The Israelites, our uh, previous example of the people of God... They knew radical presence of God with them. They daily saw ridiculous breakthrough from God. They had a pillar of cloud that moved before them and a pillar of fire at night. They saw water coming out of rocks and they saw bread fall from heaven. And yet still when the next trial came, how did they respond? It was always in panic. It was always in grumbling, and partly that's encouraging, and partly that's uh, awkward, because yet we still haven't learned, (laughs) and although we live in a greater glory, um, in Corinthians we're told that for us, we have a greater glory than even the Israelites do, because Moses had a veiled face, and we are with unveiled faces. Their covenant was the glory of that covenant was temporary and ours is eternal. Yet still, how often do we respond in panic and grumbling? How often do I respond in panic? Um, Most of you, I think, will know my family and I have just um, embarked upon a new call. Uh, God spoke to us about Kenya and the unreached peoples of Kenya and Somalia. And um, that is not a small call. That is a fairly big, overwhelming at times uh, murmuring of heaven. And so we, we wrestle with this one with faith and excitement. And then we get to Kenya and there are moments of great breakthrough and great excitement. And then there are moments of trial, some small trials like You try to buy some fruit and vegetables. And so you go with your very basic local language and you try and embark upon something. And the lady in the shop tries to give you a basket. And you say, no, thank you. I don't want to buy a basket. I want to buy some tomatoes. And she says, no, take the basket. I say, I don't want the basket. I want the tomatoes. She says, take the basket. I look around and realize, huh, everyone in the market is carrying a basket and they are putting their tomatoes in the basket. (laughs) She didn't want me to buy the basket. She wanted me to play the game. (laughs) When we encounter trials, whether they be small or whether they be huge, our temptation is to respond in grumbling and fear. When there are snakes in our bathroom our response can be, what am I doing in this place? (laughs) I have somewhere else I could be where there are never snakes in my bathroom. (laughs) I want this morning to look at um, an interesting story. It's going to be, um, well, I'm speaking, so it's not going to be a logical, linear approach. For those of you who are structured and ordered, I apologize, (laughs) but please try and come with me on the journey. We will find many rabbit holes, but hopefully it will be fun. This is how I live my life. I'm not logical and linear. So we're going to follow the story of Joshua. So you can read along. I'll give you 10 verses where you're allowed to read along. And after that, try and keep up. Okay. (laughs) So Joshua chapter one, verse one to 10. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to you, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, and from the great river, the Euphrates." All the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the West, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the laws my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left, that you might be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong? and courageous do not be afraid do not be discouraged for the lord your god will be with you wherever you go joshua comes at a time we've had abraham the father of promise from abraham come the tribes of israel the israelites end up in egypt and they are slaves moses leads them out of slavery He leads them in the wilderness for quite a long time. And finally, the promise is about to come. They're about to see the breakthrough that this people have been waiting for, for years and years. Joshua arrives. Moses is dead. There's not much time to deal with that. Moses is dead, right? Be strong and courageous. We're moving on. Moses has has led this people. God has shown himself to be with him and that is now switching to Joshua. God is clearly demonstrating that he is with Joshua. The first few chapters are, well, obviously the whole Bible is amazing, but the first two two chapters of Joshua are really good. I recommend you go away and read them. Um, What happens first is just like Moses, Joshua sends the spies into the land. We're echoing here. This is a sign that Joshua will be like Moses. He sends the spies in. But this time, not only did they come back with a good report, but some people within the land have chosen to follow God. The next thing is they go into the land and they cross the Jordan. As they cross the Jordan, we get another breathtaking miracle as a sign that God is with the people. The waters stop and back up in the Jordan as the Ark of the Covenant's in the water. They cross through, and it's a pretty awesome moment. Let's be honest, that's gonna be like a faith-building, here we go kind of moment. The people are excited, and they cross, and they get in. The next thing that happens is quite an interesting one. Once they get to the banks on the other side, they take a moment. They don't keep forging forward, but they take a moment to look back. And one of the first thing that Joshua does is he gets the people circumcised. So this is the descendants. They weren't the ones who left Egypt because time has passed. They haven't all followed the law of the Torah. But Joshua knows before we press on, we've got to get right with God. If heaven is going to come, we've got to be prepared. We can't keep forging forwards without sorting ourselves out. Get right with God. Deal with the things in our life that are a hindrance and a problem to us. Once they've got right with God and they're obeying the law, the next thing they do is they celebrate the Passover. Passover is another amazing story of God's presence with his people. And it's something that he says, Celebrate. Teach your children. God loves it when we acknowledge what he has done for us. It is super easy for us to have years thinking, if we see the miracle, then we'll believe. It is super easy to get the miracle and then forget. (laughs) It is super easy for us to see breakthrough in one area of life and still panic about another area of life. God is telling us again and again and again, notice what I have done for you. Remember and celebrate. I want to encourage us. If we are going to live radical lives, we must encourage one another with the stories that God has done for us. We can't, we can't always all remember. There will be times for each one of us where we wobble. But we're in family, and we can remind one another of the testimonies. When um, a few years ago, Jeremy decided it was time for the Webbs to have a sabbatical, we had been in ministry for a long time. And he didn't decide that we should have a lovely rest somewhere and luxurious. Instead, he took our family, at the time I think I had a two-year-old and a four-year-old, to Heidi and Roland Baker in Mozambique. And um, it was raw, and it was real, and it was challenging. We will embrace that one. But it was an incredible season of our lives. I'm super thankful that we did it. But it cost everything that we had, literally. (laughs) So we had already been um, living by faith. Hopefully, we all live by faith. I don't really like that phrasing. But living by faith as missionaries, as in not being paid. So we'd been doing that for a long time and so we we weren't in the strongest financial position and God called us to go to Mozambique and it cost a lot of money but we did it and we got to Mozambique and it was hard but it was amazing and around us were all of these incredible stories of testimony and breakthrough in the financial area and we knew ours was coming because we didn't have any money left, and God had called us, and we know that He's faithful. So, actually, I don't think we were even worried, but we kept hearing, you know, amazing stories. People would stand up and testify that they had just looked online, and someone had given them a thousand dollars, and someone else had had their debt written off. And we're like, "Yes, our breakthrough is coming any day now," and we waited, and we waited. And we waited a bit longer and we ate very little food (laughs) and cheap food for a bit longer and we waited knowing that our breakthrough was coming. And thankfully my husband is very wise and he one day, I think it was Jeremy, noticed and challenged us as a family that our breakthrough may not have come as we expected, but we had seen A million little miracles. And we, um, it wasn't very, we were surrounded by lots and lots of people. And I'm actually fairly extroverted, but it was was a lot even for me. And there was lots of really enthusiastic Americans. And so I needed just a little bit of space sometimes. And so we needed to get off base every now and then. And it wasn't very easy. And we would regularly get a taxi somewhere. And so we would share a taxi with another family. And what we discovered was that we would get in the taxi and say, this other family would say, we'll pay on the way there and you can pay on the way back. And we'd say, great, no problem. So we'd get in the taxi and we'd go. And then on the way back, someone would stop and say, oh, are you going to, I'll give you a free lift. And so we never had to pay for a taxi. And we discovered that we would get ourselves ready to go shopping and think, I don't quite know what we're going to be able to get today. And as we got ready, someone would come past and say, oh, I've just been shopping and I I don't know why, I ended up buying far too many bananas. Do you want some bananas? We'd be like, awesome, I need bananas. And someone else would say, oh, I ended up with three pots of peanut butter. Do you want one of my pots of peanut butter? And God was moving miraculously for us. It wasn't in the way that we expected. It wasn't in the way that perhaps we had hoped. But he was moving miraculously for us. I want to encourage you, if you want to live radically, notice what God is doing. We hold before us things in prayer and we should. We should hold before God things that we want to see mountains move But we've got to notice the ground rumbling if we're going to see the mountain move. And the more we give thanks for what he is doing, the more our faith builds. The more our faith builds, the more likely it is that that mountain will move. The next thing that happens for Joshua, see I told you we're going to wiggle through Joshua, but we are still going through Joshua. The next thing that happens is um, a fairly bizarre and beautiful encounter. So, A man stands before Joshua with his sword drawn. And Joshua says, Are you for us or are you for our enemies? The man replies, Neither. But as a commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Joshua fell down in reverence. What message does my Lord have for his servant? Take off your sandals, the angel says for the place where you are standing is holy. Joshua did so. God has sent the commander of the angel armies, an important angel, to Joshua. Joshua is the leader of God's people, a fairly important kind of guy. We would hope on the right side of history. Hopefully he is on God's side. But when he asks the angel are you on my side or are you on my enemy's side? He says, neither. I'm on God's side. And the question for us was brought this morning, God is on the move. Will we get on his side or are we going to stay on our side and repeatedly request that God joins us? I've done that many times. And I will tell you to make it a little bit easier for you. It's easier if you shift than if you wait for the king of heaven to shift his plan. His plan is the best anyway. So what he is doing is already the best plan. We get to choose. We do. We get to choose. Are we going to be on his side or are we going to just fight our own corner? Joshua wisely (laughs) says all right, I'm on your, what have you got to say to me? I'm your servant, what do you want to say? And when he speaks, Joshua does exactly what he says. It says, Joshua did so. Very straightforward, took his sandals off, got on his face. It is easier for us to acknowledge if we want the power of heaven, we can partner with it whenever we want to. We don't need to make it bend to us. We can partner with it. We get to jump into the stream and flow. The gates of Jericho, chapter 6, we'll read this, verse 1. Now, the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see, see. I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. I'm going to read it again. See if you notice what I notice. Now, the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out. No one came in. This is a well-defended city. These guys have heard about the Israelites coming. They've heard that God stopped the river. They're aware that there is great power here, and they're doing everything they can to defend themselves. Then the Lord says, See, I've delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. It does not sound to me like this is a delivered city. In Joshua's hands. We've just been told that it's an incredibly well defended city. But yet God says, see, I've done it. It's already in your hands. Now, this one is an interesting one for us. I am not good at burying my head in the sand. I'm really bad at it. I can see reality very clearly. I don't believe that God wants us to deny reality. I don't. Some people will tell you don't speak negatively over it, name it, claim it, it's yours. I think God speaks beautifully to us about comfort. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. I don't think we mourn if we deny pain i don't and and yet it's tempting to think that when there's darkness or opposition or pain that we've failed that god's left us that something's gone wrong i should have seen the breakthrough by now i've been praying for decades i should be better if i just had more faith i wouldn't still be suffering We've heard these things before. If you just, no, come on, you've got to believe it. You've got to see it. I think suffering is not failure. It definitely isn't a sign that God is not with you. I think it's an invitation from God that we can draw closer to him. 2 Corinthians says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we received ourselves. Just as we share abundantly in the suffering of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Paul goes on in verse 8, we don't want you to be uninformed about the troubles we faced in Asia. We're not hiding the fact that troubles come to God's people. He says, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. They're not small troubles. If we read what happens to Paul and he copes with fairly lightly, this is fairly major stuff. God has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. We only see the miraculous when we need the miraculous. We only see financial provision when we don't have the money we only see healing when there is sickness we only have salvation because without it we're doomed the miraculous comes because there is a need because there is opposition we can't look at suffering and say oh well that's it then i must have got it wrong god can't possibly be in this otherwise it would be easy The city was greatly defended, but yet God says, see, it's already in your hand. We can't deny the existence of suffering, but we've got to learn to look at it the way God speaks about it. We have um, many times had the incredible privilege of seeing food multiplied um, this has never happened at a well-organized dinner party. <laughs> this has never happened where I have invited the set number of people and know who's coming. It's, I, don't, I don't think it's ever even happened in my own home, has it? But it has happened time and time and time again when too many hungry people have arrived. It didn't happen for a long time because what we used to do was go, oh, there's however many people in the room and there's only this much chicken. I know what we'll do. We'll eke it out. We'll give the tiniest little portions we can. And we'd even, generally I would be loitering over the people serving and be like, give less food than that. And uh, one day we felt Jesus challenge us that that's not how he works. And so we were like, load it up. I mean, these these guys are homeless. They've not eaten. They're starving. Give them as much as you possibly can. And... We waited, and every single person in that room was fed. We've had it many, many times, but only when we need it, only when there isn't actually enough to go around. But when we see as God sees, God says, these guys are hungry, don't eke it out, give them food, come on, they're properly hungry, and it cost us something. It always does. If we're gonna partner, we've gotta be willing to give. I've got this little bit of chicken. It's never gonna feed this many people, but let's give it a go. But it costs us first. And as we give what we've got, it does multiply. It will multiply. Hardships will come. Pain is already around us. Difficulty and impossibility exists. Oh, I don't know why I'm doing that. Sorry. Um, but we can set our hope on God. Jesus is our breakthrough. His, one of his names is Jehovah Perazim, God of the breakthrough. He comforts us and he leads us not to rely on ourselves, but on God. Joshua is told it is delivered. It is in your hand. And then he is given the instructions as to how the walls of Jericho are going to fall. I'm imagining most of you know this story. And it's an incredible, bizarre story. Joshua is told that he must take the Ark of the Covenant and the army. And they must walk around the walls of Jericho once, every day for six days, silently, just march. No shouting out your threats, nothing, just march, for six days. And on the seventh day, they must walk around it seven times. And on the seventh time, they're allowed to shout. And as they shout, the walls will come down. This is a radical story. Spoiler alert, you've probably already worked out. They get Jericho. The walls come down, and it is, in fact, delivered into Joshua's hand. They see the breakthrough by walking. That's a pretty mundane thing that they are asked to do. They're not asked to take up weapons. They're not even asked to sing their praise really loud. Other times, God uses worship as warfare. On this occasion, they just have to show up and walk. Now, we read the story and think, how bizarre, but how amazing. I want you to imagine that Alan says this is what we're going to do. We're going to gather and we're going to walk around Durham for seven days. And then we'll see great, great breakthrough. On day three, when you've seen nothing, no rumblings, no one's come and asked you about Jesus, you've not had the chance to pray for anyone, you've literally just walked in silence, my bet is on the way home you're going to be thinking... What on earth are we doing? Like, really? We're just supposed to walk and then those mighty defended walls are going to just come down. It's easy for us when we listen to testimony to think, oh yeah, but that was you. It was easy for you. I know it felt hard for you, but it wasn't. My situation is different. You can't actually get your head around it. I know that you say you had to do that, but in reality, you had amazing faith, and so it was easy for you. The journey of walking back to the camp is one I would quite like to have witnessed. I wonder what they said to each other, because I bet there were some who were like, Woohoo, this is awesome, we're doing it, we're doing it for good. I bet there were others who were like, I mean, my feet hurt, and I cannot be bothered. What are we doing? And the way that we speak to one another will have a massive impact on whether we get back up the next day, on whether we march one more time or whether we stay in bed. If we, Joshua is told, be bold and very courageous. I don't know about you, but I don't feel bold and very courageous very often. I do feel more bold and more courageous when somebody encourages me, when somebody literally gives me courage and said, God's with you, come on. I know you've got this. And you're not alone, actually. God's never gonna leave you, but I'm right here with you. Shall we walk together? It makes such a difference how we stand with one another. I think one of our keys to living radical lives and seeing the breakthrough is perseverance. It would have been super easy on day five to go, we've given this a good go, guys. Like, really, we've done it well. Or even on day seven, on the third time round, you're going to be thinking, yep, feel like we've seen every inch of this wall now and nothing's happening. I, I know the first time you say, I'm going to pray for your healing. There's like a little bit of nervousness, but it's a bit exciting. You know, like here we go. God's going to move, and we pray for healing. And then you say, well, you know how you feel? Are you feeling better? And that person goes, mm, no, not really. Right. Okay. Actually, I feel like we should pray again. So we pray again. How are you feeling? Yeah. Yeah, no, not much change. Huh. All right, well, it's been great to see you. We'll see you next (laughs) week. If we feel that God has asked us to do something, will we persevere? Will we just keep going? Sometimes the greatest thing we can do is just stand. The Bible says it again and again and again, doesn't it? Stand. We can't. The kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing and forceful men and women take hold of it. It is true that it's moving forward, but sometimes my greatest victory is I'm still here. <laughs> I haven't yet run away. It's not always in the great victorious leaps. Sometimes it's in the I'm not going to give up, actually. I'm going to see what God has done to get me to this point and I'm going to trust that he can do more to get me further. But right now, all I've got is here I am. I'm still here. My dad has been sick for a long time. So two years ago, he was diagnosed with blood cancer and we were at the time trying to prepare to move to another nation. And COVID was on the horizon. And so it was a truly odd time, and we were homeless. So there was quite a lot going on for us. And I felt Jesus speak, and I knew that he was going to heal my dad. And so I wasn't that worried. I mean, I, I was, but I knew I'd heard Jesus speak. And so we prayed, and my dad had a stem cell transplant, and Jesus healed him from blood cancer. It was remarkable. And then my dad got graft-versus-host disease because of the transplant, and I was pretty floored because I knew that Jesus had spoken, and I knew it was going to be okay, and then it wasn't as okay as I thought it should be. But I managed to get back up, and we prayed, and Jesus healed him from graft-versus-host disease. And then a few months later, my dad started not being my dad anymore, and he was really tired and he was confused and he, wasn't, he, he just wasn't right. And we discovered, well, we actually still don't really know what it was, but some sort of encephalitis, some problem with his brain. And I was really quite floored because, no, this isn't the plan. He was getting better. And it took a while, but I got back up. And I was able to say, but I know that Jesus healed him of this. I know that Jesus healed him of this. So let's give this one another try. And so we prayed, and Jesus healed him from the encephalitis. He now has a problem with his kidney. And it's hard to persevere. It's hard to say, yeah, it's going to be fine. Jesus has got it. That comes at a cost because this has been a painful journey But when I look at everything that Jesus has done through this journey, when I see how he's comforted us, how he's brought us together, how he's brought people alongside, when I see the million little miracles that Jesus has walked with us, and when I see the breakthrough that has come, not in the way I expected, not in the way I wanted, not in the way I would have planned, but in a beautiful way. I have fresh courage. I can be a little bit more bold and a little bit more courageous. It's not an easy journey that we will be walking together. There will be times where there is suffering. There'll be times where we're just too tired. But God will never leave us and he'll never forsake us. Joshua 6 verse 20 When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed, and everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. They devoted the whole city to the Lord. We don't have battles against flesh and blood. We're not trying to destroy things, people, (laughs) But we are in a battle. We're in a battle for the kingdom of heaven to advance. We are in a battle to get heaven on earth. We're in a battle to have joy. We're in a battle to keep peace. We're in a battle to see people's eyes open to the goodness of who he is. God is with us. We can be bold and very courageous. God will be do breathtaking miracles he will move mightily on our behalf he has he is and he will we've got to get right with God there's got to be circumcision of our hearts we've got to obey him we need to remember notice and celebrate the things that God has done for us we need to obey him Even when there is pain and obstacles, we've got to allow God in. We've got to allow his comfort to come to us. Not just soldier on, I'm fine. We've got to let him in. Jesus is the prize. He is the breakthrough. He's our comfort. He's our strength. We need to learn to see as he sees through the eyes of faith. We need to persevere to see the victory. And we've got to encourage one another to keep going. The battle is not ours. It belongs to God. I know that we will look back and be amazed at what God has done. I know that we will be amazed at where he leads us as a family, as a people. I want to challenge you this morning that the radical thing is to say yes in the small steps. Jericho was won through saying yes in the small steps and in the keeping going. There will be moments where you're asked to do things that are massive and seem way too big for you. But more often than that, You'll be asked to just show up again. And it's your yes in the mundane that will see the breakthrough come. Thank you very much for listening to me. Um, Worship team, would you like to come and lead us? Let's pray as they come. Jesus, we thank you that you will never leave us or forsake us. Thank you that you are our comfort. You are our hope. You are our strength. You are our defender. Thank you that you call us to greatness, that we have a purpose and a destiny, that our lives are not for nothing. Thank you that you invite us to partner with you in this incredible mission to see heaven come. Thank you that you allow us to play a part in your amazing story. Help us, Jesus. Help us get our hearts right before you. Help us to lay aside our own plans and to pick up your plan, to say yes to you. Help us in the mundane to see what you are doing. Lift our eyes that we would notice the million miracles that you do for us day after day after day. Give us grateful hearts and fill us with fresh expectancy. Jesus, we ask it all in your beautiful name.